Hey guys, welcome to Fuck Small Talk. I'm your host, Mariah Joe, life and recovery coach. I have my master's in sociology and a few certifications in nutrition and behavioral health. I'm also a certified peer recovery specialist, which is a fancy way of saying I use my own experience with addiction and mental health to help others heal too. And I'm here to say fuck that, to fake fluffy talk for the sake of fitting in. You don't need to fit in, you belong. Let's dive into this week's big talk topic. Welcome to another episode of Fuck Small Talk. Today's episode is so incredible. I am interviewing a woman named Corinne Berry. She is a life fulfillment coach and her life's work now that she has been in recovery for some time is she helps guide women entrepreneurs who are in addiction recovery to create a new life. And that's in sobriety, confidence, leadership, and just help them take action to rebuild and to accomplish their goals and dreams. And it is an incredible conversation. She emailed me directly and asked me to be part of a summit that we discuss here on the podcast today. So go ahead, tune in. I hope you enjoy. Hi, welcome to another episode of Fuck Small Talk. I am with Coach Corinne Berry. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Well, it was a no-brainer to ask you to uh, be on an episode of Fuck Small Talk. Just so the listeners are aware, we don't know each other very well. This is my first time seeing you on camera, but we met recently on social media, actually through email. I got an email from either you or um, an assistant of some kind and asked me to be part of a summit that you are hosting. Like what a great opportunity to build community around recovery or sobriety or just healing in whatever way that looks, whether it's mental health or addiction services. Yeah. As long as you're happy, the whole main goal to me, if I'm going to be sober, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. Yeah. You know, definitely. Well, it's like, you know, why are we choosing recovery? Obviously the goal is to, you know, get out of some of the darkness or the way that we're feeling when we aren't living to the best of our ability or living in alignment with the way, like with our goals and our values, or like, if we don't even know what those are, like, where do we start? This summit I think is going to be really beautiful for all different levels of recovery, whether you are thinking, you know, it's something that you've been considering and you haven't taken, taken the leap yet or whatever year you're on, or if like, maybe you're, maybe you're more focused on a harm reduction form of recovery and you're just trying to like dabble with it, what, with what it looks like. So yeah, that's awesome. And the summit is called Healthy Tips and Sobriety. And it goes from September 18th until October 2nd. Yes, thank you. And I'll give you the link to that they can sign up. And it is absolutely free. Costs nothing. Awesome. All the speakers do give a gift and they're very valuable gifts. I mean, very helpful, valuable. We have speakers just like you, just with so much experience and sharing so much to help other women. And that's what we are all here to do is we collaborate together, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Social media for me, I remember in early recovery, um, there were so many people. I started in a 12-step program and so many of the individuals that were there were, I mean, I think like in good faith telling everybody else to don't download social media, just remove your social media, just erase it completely because that is because it's full of triggers and old people, places, all the things. And I understand what they were talking about and it didn't sit well with me at all. And before I got into recovery, I never even used Instagram. I didn't even really know how to make posts. <laughs> I had to learn. But by getting on Instagram, by getting on like a social media platform that I hadn't used before and just searching in in the little search box like sobriety or recovery or healing or whatever it is. And I found so many beautiful accounts, so many people. And I realized like anything in life, it's like how you use it and what you do with it. That really matters. I was just going to say the same thing. Why wouldn't you? I mean, like now when I go to my social media, because of what my topics are all the time that I look for and search for and, and, and post, et cetera, mine's all positive. You know, Mm -hmm. it's all positive mindset stuff and, or, or whatever subject I look for, you know, is that's what fills my social media. Now I don't have any negative stuff that comes into my social media pages, to be honest. Yes. Well, and, and if something makes me feel a certain way in my gut, even if it's like exciting drama or whatever, I usually yeah. just end up unfollowing it. You have to. And that's yeah. the key too, is we have to just learn how to walk away from some of that stuff until we are able to handle it. Because there's some things we just can't, that will trigger us. You know, especially yeah. in the early days, but even in the later days. 
This is a, this is a lifetime thing. I will say that. Right. And it just like goes hand in hand with exactly in this, the previous episode, I interviewed my little sister, her name's Jacqueline, and we talked all about grief. And she, we just spent a lot of time talking about how healing isn't linear, ending an addiction or just changing your lifestyle completely, whether it's like changing up your diet or whatever, however you live. Yeah. It can be really painful. Like it can, it is for me personally, getting into recovery was the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life and making it stick somehow. Like it, it's, there's a reason why they call it miracles, you know? I remember I didn't come into um, sobriety until I was 55. 65. How old are you today? I'm 61. Yeah. I ride motorcycles. I ride mountain bikes. I golf. I have a wonderful life. You know, I used you to are be- such a badass. <laughs> On my back of my one of my motorcycles is classy, sassy, and badassy. <laughs> oh my God, that's it amazing. really is. It really is, and I have a lot of bling bling on it. But I've been riding thirty seven years, you know. But nothing's going to slow me down. And the wonderful thing is, I never touched my bikes when I was drinking. I don't know why, but I always would look at them and know that it would kill me, you know. But thank God, it took me a while. It took me a while to get through. Like I came in thinking. I, I get sober. I that's it. Yeah, because I did go through a twelve step program too, and then, you know, I'm gonna go get sober, and I'm gonna go home, and everything's gonna be great, you know. But no, this is a lifetime work. Just like it's like healing isn't linear. Like life doesn't happen that way either. I was just explaining to you before we hopped on camera that like my first two years of recovery were pretty solid. I feel like it was kind. Of, I mean, obviously it ebbed and flowed, but I was on this like solid trajectory, and then and then like some major traumas happened, and it was really difficult for me to be like, wait a minute, what do, what do I do with this? <laughs> like yeah. new life circumstance while I'm also in recovery, and what does that mean? Like how do I shift the way that I take care of myself and my mental health? And everything from this point forward. And it's been two years now. I have almost four years in recovery on Sunday. And it has been a journey. Like the last two years, I I just assumed it would get easier as time went on. And that just isn't always the case, but it's just kind of keeping faith that it's going to turn back around. And I think that's key is learning how to deal with our situations because those situations do not go away. And I truly think, and I want to warn everybody, it seems like when we get sober, we get a couple of them thrown at us. Yeah. It's almost like it gets worse before it gets better. Yeah. Like a test, right? Like, what are you going to do with this? You know, but once you get through that, because it does take work, it does. Now it's just routine. But if I don't keep up on it, because I almost died, so, you know, with my liver. So if I don't keep up on it, I will, I will die. If I go back to drinking, I will die. And I, I don't want that lifestyle anymore anyway. It was full of, it was a lie. Exactly. Honestly, that like brings me that brings me to like I, because you are such a badass. Like our first conversation on the phone, you were like, "Oh, North Dakota, you're up there in the Dakotas by Sturgis." Yes. And we talked about your motorcycle days and everything. Well, I mean, you're still going and just recognizing that just by default, you are absolutely a fuck small talk person. I love your name. I said you said that. That made my day. <laughs> I told you I love your name. I know. Well, that is just how you live your life and it shows, you know, and I want to hear a little bit more on like, why? Why are you a person that lives her life with the fuck small talk attitude? That's a great question. And if anybody watches this that knows me, you're going to know that I have been like this my whole entire life. It didn't take drinking or no drinking, right? Mm -hmm. I find myself a little more bold being sober. For sure. There's less shame and garbage that you have to mop up every day when you're living a sober life. Or <laughs> yeah, just and, and at first I would give advice or say stuff to people. And I'm like, where'd that come from? I didn't even know where it came from, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, my mother was a hell of a woman. She was awesome. Had wonderful parents, actually. But my mom was a hell of a businesswoman. She was an entrepreneur. She was from England. By both my parents were born and raised in England. They came over here and they worked unbelievably hard, but became very, very, very successful. And she was a wonderful mentor for me. And she knew I was just like her and she took me under her wing. And she was very, you either liked my mom or you didn't like my mom. Because mm-hmm. she was honest, just it was out there. You knew exactly what she was thinking. Now, when I came along, I had met somebody that really introduced me into a lot of sports. And that really changed my life as well. 
How old were you when you got into sports? I was really already doing sports through high school. I was in cheerleading and in basketball. So when I graduated and went to nursing school and actually went to x-ray school and then I worked at cardiac cath lab for, for a long time, which I absolutely loved. And then came a medical device rep, which changed my life financially. And that's when my drinking really started heavy because I'm entertaining all the time. Mm. But it's um, with the sports came the confidence. And because I was good, came the ego yeah. and the celebration with <laughs> liquor, you know. So that on top of being good at my job, you know, it's just like, wow, you know, I was, it, it was very, it was a lot in, at an early age, right? And uh, it took, a, it took my life over and it took my life over for over 30 years. That's the sad part. I did quit for three years when I had a okay. liver issue. I've had a liver, I've walked away from two liver transplants. Possibly. What do you mean? What do you mean? Both times I was told to be put on the liver transplant list. And uh, I would not. Like due, I, due to your drinking, your years of drinking. Oh, absolutely. The liquor was the only thing that killed my liver. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very easy to regenerate your liver one time. Almost impossible a second time. Mine, I'm a miracle. I am walking after two regenerations of my liver. So you went in, so you obviously needed hospital care, some, some major medical. I went in the hospital. What? Okay. First time I quit cold turkey in my forties for three years and my liver regenerated very quickly. The liver is a wonderful organ in our bodies and it regenerated very quickly, but I did stay sober for three years, went through divorce, went to my beach condo and met somebody right away and party just really went from there. That's when I went to start drinking again, thinking because it's been three years. I've got this. I'm disciplined. I got this. So it was okay for a little while. And then progression, I could talk about all day long. And mm-hmm. it's not pretty. So by the my fifth year, and there I was told I will be being put on the transplant list. I don't have a choice because you have to be sober for a year. And my doctor has the control to do that, I guess. In the state of Florida, I don't know. And mm-hmm. uh I said, don't fit me on that list. And he said, Corinne, that's the only thing. So I went to a homeopathic doctor and between him and her, my, my liver regenerated within like six or seven months. Oh my gosh. That's because I worked at it. Okay. I worked at it spiritually, healthy, working out nutrition, 17 vitamins that my homeopathic doctor prescribed for me. I went to her like three times a week. I don't care that the liver Every, you know, we were doing like blood tests every week, every other week. And it just kept coming down, down, down. Wow, that's incredible. So instead of like going through a major, obviously getting a liver transplant is extremely, it's like. Oh, it's that, huge. That's it's insane. Huge. Yeah. Like to be I able to. Anxieties, I was, I was huge, you know. I've never been big. In my, <laughs> and it's not that. It was just my ankles were swollen. It was not heavy. It wasn't a weight thing it was fluid you know I was very 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 sick and mm-hmm. then here I'm 55 and I just put drinking all by myself I do not recommend that because we can have heart attacks we can have seizures we can have all kinds of stuff but my little hard head as we all often have just cold turkey one day and said I'm done I can't do this anymore so when you got sober for the first time for the three years was it the medical, the health problems with your liver that you were like, I need to stop or so. That, so for three years you were like, I'm, but then life happens and you get divorced. Um, you end up meeting somebody else who I'm assuming too drink too quickly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very quickly. Just kind of got pulled right back into it until you were like, I, I actually really need so. to go back more to recovery. So. Even more so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Living the life, right. Living mm-hmm. yeah, on the beach. So Yeah. I will tell you, it, it was a party. It was chaotic. It was, but that's what I loved. The more happening, the better, right? But I wasn't better. I was lying and I was sick. I was sick emotionally, mentally, physically. When you think about it. We get really good at putting on a mask and showing other people that we're good. We're good. We're fine. We're good. I, did. <laughs> I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. It's terrible. 
I think um, that's one of the sneakiest things about addiction. That's one of the things that it's just like, that's why it's such a miracle when people get into recovery and when they start to change their like day-to-day routines and habits that really benefit them and their mental health. Like they start to pull themselves out of this darkness, but like we're so used to being in the darkness. That's where we live. That's our home. It's like my permanent address is in the dark. And that is, it's where I've always gotten mail delivered. Like, I don't know what you mean. Exactly. That's why I love working with my clients. I love coaching because you can see them blossom right in front of you and they're like, oh my gosh. I see, yeah, right. Just wait. wait. It's even better, you know? Yes. Even better, but it's up to you, but it gets better if you do the work. I'll be here to support you. But after this, you know, after your sessions, you got to get out there and do the work, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's just like, that's, that's also why I think it was the hardest thing is I really, like, I guess I think I'm sure it's common, but for me, I was so stuck in my darkness that I was just like the poor me victim mentality, which it was warranted. You know, I was a child of, of, you know, childhood abuse and alcoholism in the home and just kind of, I didn't really get a great first start as a kid. And so as an adult and alcohol was everywhere, I was like, well, this is perfect. Like this is clearly what works for me. So yeah, you kind of have to start from the beginning and figure out who the heck you are. Yeah, you do. You do. And and I, I was working with young one younger woman and uh, she's 26. And she said, so when I make these changes that you feel like, you know, you're suggesting I make, um, we, we were, this is into our sessions. Okay. Um, how quickly does that happen? <laughs> oh, honey, your whole life. <laughs> She's like, and what date could I expect to be perfectly healed? She says, like, so does this happen like next week? No, <laughs> it was the cutest question. I said, you better sit down because this is like forever. <laughs> it was yep. adorable. It really was. I love yeah. her. She's sober now. Yeah. She's 27 now. That's such a normal question for someone to be like, okay, so I'm about to go on a really hard journey and how long until I reach my destination? And you're like, "Mm." (laughs) you think about it, it's great to have a continual destination as long as it's beautiful, right? If you think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think for those of us that need to heal and do that healing work, we don't look at life or our future as a beautiful journey. We are more so afraid to feel it and see it like in the truth. And so it's just kind of telling somebody, telling somebody that like they have to be doing this work for the rest of their life can be really, really daunting. And I think that that's where that like one day at a time or like um, just for today or whatever it is, that's where that comes into play is just like, hey, <laughs> yeah, just focus on right now. And it's so important to have those little slogans. What I say is all you have to do, I say that like it's so simple. Let me tell you. The biggest step is to say, I need help. And call somebody and say, I need help. Because there is help and people want to help. Like if somebody called me and I didn't know them, I'd be all over them, you know? Just call me, right? I don't care. I'm. I just want to talk to you. I just because you can get out of that darkness, but it's that fear of making that step. You just have to make the willingness, the acceptance. Yes, I have a problem. Yes, these people will help me. Yeah, and it, you know, we have to take into account, and you know, I know that the majority of us in recovery, you know, if you've needed sobriety, if you've needed to get into recovery, it's likely because there's a history of traumas that are in your life that have led you to the over drinking or the use of drugs or the self-sabotaging in whatever ways. Anyway, I, I, I totally agree with you, by the way, that like community and connection is absolutely that saved me. It saved me because I thought, you know, I knew it all. Right. But I will tell you, I've never been so emotional about anything until my sobriety. And like, I can speak in front of, I don't care, 500 people, whatever. But when I speak about my sobriety, my whole body changes. I cry. It's just, it's amazing. I fall apart. It's just, and I think it's just from so much 
you know, like so much of everything, lies and disappointment myself and, and hurting other people. And, and for me, it was just over so many years. Don't forget, I'm unlearning. <laughs> I'm not just unlearning five years or 10 years. I'm unlearning 30, 35 years, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can easily cry when I talk about this writing. I used to, I used to not like that, but now I know that I need it. You know, pick up the phone and talk to somebody. It's so, um, then we get to find out what really life is about. Yes. You actually get to experience life instead of like wake up the next day and like wonder if you had fun or what you did that maybe yeah. embarrassed yourself or who knows what else. And like you say, though, we still have our days. We still have our moments. We still, uh, that still is just life, right? I mean, we're mm -hmm. talking like it's every day we're on this happy merry-go-round, but it's not like that as everybody knows. But what we're saying is, or what I'm saying is, it's a much better life than when I was drinking. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's hard, you know, and we actually have to feel our feelings today because we don't numb them out, which for and me I is... I love drinking. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. So did I want to give it up? No, because I really enjoyed it. Right. Yeah, I think, I think there's like a... To look back and recognize that my style of drinking was as much as possible. And it was drinking to get drunk. Like there was no such thing as having one beer. When I was in active addiction, I didn't, I've never in my, I never in my life up until I found recovery had a glass of wine. Yeah. And then went to bed. It was always like, okay, well, if we're going to get a bottle, we might as well get three. <laughs> yeah. Or at least finish it. Don't leave it empty. I mean, don't, yeah. how could you leave, you know, wine in your glass? <laughs> Well, first of all, in the glass, but then in the bottle, they like I saw this recipe one time when I was drinking and she said any leftover wine you can use to make like a Bernays sauce or whatever she was making. And I was like, does anybody know what leftover wine is? I've never heard of that in my life. Exactly. <laughs> I'll just buy another bottle for that. OK. <laughs> yes. uh, well, I want to hear a little bit about like, I mean, I know that we were talking about, you know, your fuck small talk attitude and yeah. It's just how you were born and raised. And now you're continuing it on. You're even like a bigger voice mm -hmm. in recovery. Yeah. What was it that got you to, why did you want to get into coaching? Or tell me about your ideas behind this summit specifically. So I have an e-commerce business and I wanted to do some marketing. And I also sell solar and real estate. <laughs> Okay. And I was going to kind of do all this thing. And I was doing some YouTube stuff and I was having a conversation like this with a coach and, and he started asking some personal questions and saw some couple of women that I was working with. He asked me if they were my children, my daughters. And I said, no. And so he kept asking me so many questions. I just said, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I'm an alcoholic and these, and I work with these women. And he went, you do what? And he would leave me alone. And all of a sudden we locked eyes and I had an epiphany. Hmm. I had a, an epiphany that was unbelievable. And we couldn't even leave our eyes off of each other. And he said, are you feeling what I'm feeling? And I said, yes, I am. He said, we're turning this conversation around 360 degrees. You are here for a purpose. And I'm going to show you what that is. And now I am a certified lifetime coach. And one of my specialties is addiction. And I also, um, plus mindset for sports and, and getting, you know, like um, competitions and things like that. And plus for entrepreneur, business-minded women to get back on track because we we, we isolate because we, don't, we can't afford to let anybody know because, you know, we, we have our own businesses or we're entrepreneurs, you know, we're investors. And, and so... Yeah, we, we're very much hiding. So I work with all kinds of people, really. So with the summit, it's for women who are in recovery or sober curious. I don't care if it's going to help women, please come, right? Please. And uh, it's absolutely free, absolutely free. And there's a lot of giveaways. Every speaker is giving all the audience a giveaway. And I'm talking valuable gifts, giveaways up to four or $500 each speaker. Um, oh, my and, and just the knowledge and the experience and the stories and, and what each one is bringing into their society and their communities and the impact that each one is making in different ways of handling 
their programs. Absolutely. Every one of them has a different way, right? Then these women will get insight to what they want to do, learn their action steps, take the action steps, get really motivated from every, from all our speakers and make some changes. And actually it's over. Yeah. That's my Make goal. some changes and maybe actually make some change too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, because they're used to that. Right. And, and that's my whole goal too. It's like, I, even, you know, with, cause I used to work voluntarily, but even with that, I would help my girls. Cause some of them are only, I mean, I've worked with women that were 18 and 20 and they mm-hmm. did need some guidance as far as career. And, you know, so I don't just work that we talk about everything life. Yeah. It's all, it's a whole package, right? Mind, right. body, soul, but it's a whole package. Yes. Yeah. It's all balance. Yes. And it will like, because we aren't one faceted human beings, like we are, we are human beings that yes, we might struggle with substances or mental health. Wonderful. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with us. Yeah. It's like, sometimes that is like our gift in a way is that like, you know, we feel so deeply, we love so hard. We want to go hundred percent like right away. And sometimes that's like really, really beautiful. It depends on what you're channeling it into. Like, what, how are you pouring into that? You know, like, like pouring a drink that was, it's, I'm not, it wasn't supposed to be a joke. Um, But you know, <laughs> when you. As long as you're service-minded. Yes. Yeah. Like what are you, what's your intention behind the energy that you're giving to this person, place, or thing? Is this person, place, or thing supporting you back? Is it good for you? Is it leveling you up in life? Is it leading you to good things, good health, good mindset, good spirituality? You're feeling better. You feel more like yourself. Does it allow you to give or does it take from you when yeah. you put in the energy? When I first started in corporate, I'll never forget the VP. He was very vibrant. And I was like the only woman. It was a launching company. And he were, he said right away, if there is anybody negative in your life, take them out of your life. Today, there's nobody negative in my life. I didn't do that then because I thought that's not very nice. That's how I thought of it. Today, I don't have any negative people in my life. Including yourself. And it's, oh my gosh, I'm probably the worst. <laughs> For like, real. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I allow myself to, if I do, if I even start, but this is all training. This is all things I've learned on the internet because we have to just take the negative and twist it to a positive very easily by changing a couple of words. But it mm-hmm. does eventually make you think that way all the time. Eventually, you know. Right. And I that was one of the most I get upset. Don't think I don't still get mad and cuss and get mad and, ba- you know what I mean? Of course I do. I had a hell of a temper. Well, that's not going to go away completely. Of course, it's calmed way down because I've learned how to calm it down. But I will just walk outside and sit for five, 10 minutes and look at the sun or whatever and come back and just be a whole different person. I also yes. say that nobody is going to change my day. Why would yes. anybody to change my fucking day? A hundred percent. That's my mantra for today. I actually woke up this morning. I, I could feel this spiral. I'm going through a major life transition. I'm moving into my own apartment in uh, about a month. And it's really strange energy in my current house until that move is done. And so this morning I was just like, oh, is this how it's going to start? Is this how the day is? Whatever. And I caught myself and I was like, nope. I sense a spiral, Mariah. So I got up off the couch and I did something to change my mood. I just literally moved my feet, put myself into a different room, do something to shake myself out of that. And then my mantra was, I need to focus on what I can control. That's it. <laughs> like if something's out of my control right now, we're we not focusing on those things. But right. we can remove ourselves. We yes. can remove ourselves and don't have yeah. to you know, be there with it. Yeah. And I know people say, oh yeah, that's easy for you to say. No, it's not because I, I, I wasn't like that either. And it took, took work too. That took time to be able to do that, you know, but you find that you tend to hang around the people with the behaviors that you have. So like I, there was just no choice of some people. I just had to, because they weren't going to stop yep. drinking in the dragon and stuff. You know, they weren't, and I can't be around that. Right. And again, like we can't control what we can't control. And that includes other people and their actions. So if they aren't willing to do um, the same 
type of transition or changes that you are needing to do to save your own life, then yeah, then that needs to be like a, maybe not goodbye forever, but I'll see you down the road. And I hope that we meet each yeah. other again. Yeah. I'll always be there. My door will always be open. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard when you're the, you're the one that is the negative person. That is the drama seeking. That is the, I don't know how to get out of my own negative headspace in early recovery or just like in my day to day, it just kind of depends, you know, but it's like yeah. when when you're the one that's the, na- when you can hear the negative thoughts and they're taking over, like take the advice that you just gave, you know, remove yourself from the negative people. And how does that look? Obviously you can't remove yourself from yourself, but we have these, you know, through the summit, we'll be hearing a lot of healthy tips and tricks that yeah, help right. you stay yeah. in recovery. Yeah. There's even things to do like, you know, drinking is always going to be in front of us, but I say, make a plan. So if you're going to go to a party, make a plan, make an exit plan, make a, you know, like I remember at Christmas one time it was hard and, and I went to a bedroom and somebody talked to me for 45 minutes. Get on the phone and talk to somebody in a, in a quiet room or leave or call Uber or just have a plan, right? Because yep. it starts to trigger that you, you got to, that's when you have to say, okay, what do I need to do to get through this? Because it doesn't even last very long. I know, you know, I heard somewhere that the average craving lasts like 20 seconds or something. Like if you can get through the intensity of the first few minutes of like, I want to do this thing, I'm going to do this thing, like just hold on because it will, it will change and your logic will. And then people will call me and they're like, Grin, this works. I'm like, you think? (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. Thank God it works. Thank God it works, right. That simple thing doesn't cost anything. (laughs) Well, and like when it doesn't work, get back up you know, tell somebody, get moving forward. And thank you. Here we for go. Because so many people are scared to come back to talk to whoever or be in the same, whatever that they come back to. No, come back because you'll be more hugged and loved than ever. You know, I think in sobriety, love and tolerance is our code, right? In sobriety. Mm-hmm. No, I, I hope that anybody would always come back and know that they can. Into, I think that to our communities, whoever, I think anybody would would agree with me on that. I think so too. I think like where I have been spending a lot of my headspace and my heart space and conversations with mentors um, and people on the internet is making damn sure that we are including the individuals that are actively practicing a harm reduction lifestyle, where maybe they have strung together a few months or years of clean time, sobriety time, and now they are in an explorative phase of like what does work for them or with like obviously the passing of and Minnesota just legalized medical marijuana or or, um, recreational, I mean. And so it's just it's everywhere, just like alcohol is everywhere. And so to recognize that there are people that may have like we all have different traumas, we all have different backgrounds and we all have different reasons for removing alcohol or other drugs from our life. Um, or limiting them or changing our habits. And so to recognize that everybody is so different that every single person deserves and has a spot at my table. And I think that that has a lot to do with the fuck small talk name where it's like, I want to talk to the the gray area people that I think don't really have a community. Yeah. It's like either either you are hard you're you're sober. You use these words that we are sober. We are non-drinking. We are non-alcoholic, whatever. Um, and if you're not, then you don't fit in here. And that's really, really hard for me because people that are at whatever area of their sobriety journey or recovery journey or healing, anybody can benefit from a summit like this, you know, the healthy tips and oh tricks. And so I love that you're welcoming every person. Yeah, because I have women coming that have been, they have 10 20 years, 25 years are, that are coming because we want to continue to grow, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we want to continue to grow. We do not want to be complacent. So this is a, a place where, where we will learn new, new things, new, I'm even going to have like book references, you know, so if y'all have some book references you want, you know, that you would like to read yeah. that people read because we've read them all, right? So let's give them some resources and stuff because, again, growth, right? It's for everybody. Well, and growth can be super quick. Growth can be a lot or it could be slow and steady. And that's great. It's growth in so many areas. 
Like yeah. we can grow in nutrition, we can grow in spirituality, we can grow, you know, in fitness, we can grow. I mean, all kinds of stuff that we can keep growing. Yeah. It's and it's important that we do in movement, even if you don't exercise. Like I know everybody is not into the gym and that's okay. Yes. But just some type of movement. And it doesn't take much, 15, 20, 30 minutes a day is all that's actually required. I mean, that's been proven. And just walk or just move, you know, and walk in the mall, whatever. It's just movement, right? It's so important for all parts of our bodies, for the flow of our blood and everything. I mean, I, I could go on and on about that. But yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of times we forget that we're literally the species, human being. We're homo sapiens on planet Earth. And what species on planet Earth just like sits and doesn't move and yeah. then is uh, successful, like, it has a successful life like that's just not how organisms work yeah it's not brain, how life works our brain is not meant to sit even like for these people that sit at computers our brain is not meant to sit at a computer for 12 hours you know so mm-hmm. yeah and, and my brain gets fried <laughs> mm-hmm. I've never had a computer job until now and and now I'm like, oh, this is not working for me. You know? So I have little exercise things besides me, or I, you know, I just go outside. I do take my breaks. Yes. Or I'll work a little bit in the morning, do some stuff, work in the after. I love to work at night. So then I know that I'm gonna work in the evening. So I'll do some good stuff during the day. You found your your way and what works for you. And I, I can just see it. Like you just have this glow about you where you're just like, you know, it's it's a holistic wellness practice where you are taking into account the emotional, the mental, the physical, the spiritual, and making sure that it's every different area of wellness that is worked on. Cause it's so quick to kind of um just go all in on one solution and then turning into yeah. um like, like that younger client of yours being like, okay, and so if I work if I work out three times, then I'm gonna be cured from addiction. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh no. So, you know, I do actually work with um some women that have like 10, 12 years sobriety that want to keep growing, right? Because like I said, it's very important. So with that growth, we just we get into bigger, like all kinds of books, you know, we read together. And so I've even thought about maybe having a little book club, you yes. know, because a couple of the books have just been phenomenal, you know, it's about alcohol. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just, they're not on alcoholism. They're on, they're life changing. Yes. Yeah. And they might mention addiction here and there, but they, I, a couple of them, not at all. They're not having anything to do with addiction, but they're, so positive and so impressive on me and my like it makes me want to to do more makes me want to do more like for all kinds of reasons for helping people and like I never thought I would (laughs) I never thought I all I'd be about service or you know how can I help yeah my gosh but now I've always been a great person to get me wrong you know but yeah it it never entered my mind that this is what I would be doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that you said that too. Like we are great people. There are so many great spirits and souls that are so caught in the web of addiction and so caught in just habits that are just auto, honestly just autopilot habits that we were either given as a kid or through our teenage years or maybe trauma has handed them to us. I do think some of us are born with it. It is a disease and yes. people need to look at it as a disease and not down on it. And it, we can help as many people as we can looking at it as a disease and an addiction, both. Right. And it is, it is, you know, basically curable. We'll always be in recovery, but yes, we can get sober. And the longer we're sober, the more the rates go down. Used to be 90%, but now they're going way, way down if the longer we're in recovery for mm-hmm. relapse rates. So yeah. yeah. So if we keep supporting each other and keep, you know, it, it does work. It does work. It's what it's trying to say. The numbers keep getting better. I feel like that is uh something that is just like a human nature thing to kind of look back and like know that we could have made better choices that maybe didn't hurt us or other people, but to recognize that every choice that we make from this point forward 
can be like in the 12 step programs, they call it like a living amends. And just recognize that like every day that you don't drink alcohol, you are making an amends to your liver. And every day that you, you know, make certain choices, you go on a walk, you're thanking your body, you know, and you're showing up for yourself today in ways that you didn't before because you didn't have the tools to do it before. It's like you can't know what you don't know. But once you know better, it's your responsibility to do better. I, I mean, I am an AA. You know, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that because it saved my life. But my best friend was an AA, so I was directed that way. It's not for everybody. There's yes. things I, I like about it. There's things I love about it. And there's things I don't yes. like about it. Okay. And I know that other things work and I don't care as long as you get sober. I don't care what you do. You know, to be Seriously. Honest. And there's so many cool things out there now, like apps and like the Quitlet that you're talking about and coaches and, and even hypnosis is what I've been learning about. I mean, there's so many different things. So as long, I don't care what you do. It's because it's, we're all different and we all have our own way of learning and our own way of implementing and things like that. Again, I was directed that way. My best friend is, you know, so yeah, I, I wasn't really given a whole lot of choice. With that said, it worked for me. So, yeah. um, but but we have to have some type of direction, mm -hmm. some type of um, organization, some type of schedule, if you will, because we do anyway as alcoholics. We, we yeah. need a little bit more discipline, to be honest. Um, yeah. And the other thing, yeah, you know, we really do. I hate to say it, but we we're do. really good at our disciplining. Like, well, because our addiction is disciplining us for us, we go out of our way to make sure that we get what we need. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you what did we do just to have make sure that we had some alcohol in our house. <laughs> really, yep. we go for it, you know. So yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's a journey. It really is a journey. I think it's also why people that are in recovery and are doing the really, really hard work to, to heal a lot of their history and a lot of their past behaviors are fucking awesome coaches and awesome entrepreneurs because we are so driven because we do know what it takes to get what we want. <laughs> I think it takes that to be yeah. successful. I really do. You know, it's because um, we've been, I mean, I could tell you you're tricking the damn book. You know, I've been doing it way, way, way too long, you know. And yeah, I, and here I used to brag. My mom used to brag how many times I would get stopped by cops and not get a ticket or anything. Of course, we're talking a long time ago. Because um, luckily in my later years of drinking, I was able to afford a town car and Uber made a big difference. In my younger mm -hmm. years, when I was all over the shop driving, I would get pulled over and the cops would just let me go. But of course, it's, it was a different era, right? <laughs> I had six yeah. So, and my mom would brag to her friends about it. I mean, that's how bad it was that she would even do that. You know, that was great. That's so normal, though. In my, you know, I grew up in rural North Dakota, so I basically could have. I mean, I basically grew up sixty years ago. <laughs> like that's, it's it's yeah. how the culture is out right. there. It's very like you know, learn to drive when I was twelve. I put the tractor in the ditch before I even had my license. Like. You know, had my first beer at 13 and it was just like a rite of passage. It wasn't like really anything negative. It was just how we did things. Yeah. So, you know, my dad was an English farmer. So same thing. I mean, we we were given a little wine at Sunday dinners, you know, and yeah. And I grew up on a 10 acre farm with horses and mm -hmm. stuff. So yeah, I learned how to drive a tractor and all this that. That was a great life, though. I'm going to tell you, it was a great life. It really was. We want to get back to amends, if, if, if you're okay with that. Sure. Because that's how I feel that we also can move forward. Is it, It's really important for forgiveness. And I think the biggest thing I have learned in my sobriety is forgiveness. And I just wanted to mention that because it really, it's really important. That frees us. That gives us freedom. And, and I want freedom. Yeah. I think for me too, it was, uh, I have such like an other mentality and I don't know when that started or how that started, but I've always felt different. And I know that that's something that's really common in people that, I mean, just human beings in general, but like those of us, I've heard it in the 12 step programs and online and everything. Like if you just feel like you're maybe just a little bit different or you don't fit in or um, you don't know how to communicate or whatever, you just feel like an oddball, like the black sheep. I hear that a lot when we talk about like our alcoholic families. Um, those of us that grew up in that type of setting, but 
it's so much easier for me to look at someone and forgive them for a mistake that they made or a decision that they made when they were hurting. And I can see the pain behind someone's explosive behavior or drinking or whatever it is, whatever negative behavior, like fill in the blank here. But I can see the pain that that person is in and the like emotional or mental turmoil that they're processing through, which is making them treat themselves or other people like that. And I can see that now. And I've always been able to have like empathy that way, but I didn't have it for myself naturally. And I think that that was really hand in hand with the idea that like I wasn't viewing myself as like a, as a person that was allowed to make mistakes. I don't know if that's like my perfectionistic tendencies, but I was like, you know, those people are like, of course, I'll forgive them. You know, um, it's a lot easier for me to not hold a grudge on someone else than myself (laughs) and things that I've done or said or things that I regret. Do you feel like it's easier to forgive others instead of yours and and not yourself necessarily? I didn't used to think about that. I used to just be held grudges to others. Now, I'm not like, not like a whole bunch of people, but you know, like usually it would be my partner, or, you know, my, it would be somebody very close to me, right? Which like parents go through a couple of relate, you know, too many relationships because I always had a wonderful person. But yeah, because, it, you know, I also am Sagittarius, which we love <laughs> freedom and adventure. And that doesn't help my personality at all, by the way. <laughs> Both of I- my sisters are. Both of my sisters are Sagittarius and a Capricorn, and I am the Cancer sign. And so okay. they're always like, you're so emotional. <laughs> okay, because my sister's Capricorn too. So <laughs> so you know a Sag then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's Stubborn. We, and we're stubborn, very stubborn. So yeah, I'm a true Sag. I mean, to the T. So um, yeah, I love life, and but I love to just, you know, like, it's my way, right? It's my yeah. way. Yeah, but like that's a great thing too, right? That's the intention. It can be, it can be, but then you know when you when you're married to you is not always a good thing. So yeah, so um yeah, that's what you know. I so as far as those people, it's hard for me to forgive, or used to be, or or even like somebody that would do something towards me that wasn't close to me, I wouldn't forgive them, and I was always thought I was right. So what what was there to forgive? when I'm right you know now I look at myself like what did I have to do what what part of it did I have it because I have to have and I forget now I even forgive myself it it took me a while to forgive myself after I knew what it was to forgive yourself yeah Mm -hmm. because then I realized what I had done to hurt so many people that was so close to me and loved me so much and then yeah so that was really hard it was easier for me to forgive people then than myself when I actually did it. Yeah. Yeah. But now I forgive people very easy. I think it's a lot of like, I love that you brought up spirituality and doing um, that very, very important work because when our ego is in our way, it ruins a lot of things. And I think uh, going through any type of like recovery programming or healing journey is going to tap into that it has to in my opinion in order for you to recognize that like you can let that ego part down that judgment part of you which is judging others and yourself and that way you just kind of recognize that like everybody deserves grace we're all all just you know walking each other home well I was always taught you know we have very high expectations you better lower them no lower no lower no lower, you know, and it is true, right? Because we have high expectations, and if they're not met, we get frustrated or upset. Then we get mad, angry, judgment, judgeful. It just ruins everything. Ruins your plans. Ruins your relationship. Ruins everything. Yeah, yeah. judgment's terrible. That's an yeah. image that I had to learn. <laughs> My stubbornness. Yeah. Um. Speaking yeah. of like. Speaking of Quitlet books, the the book Judgment Detox by Gabrielle Bernstein was one of the first books that I read in recovery. And I'm so glad that somehow the universe sent me that book first um, because it it really made me realize um, how judgment is is rooted in fear. And oh, it's, it, it will take us down so quick. No, and recovery is rooted in love. And like it has to be love for ourselves and other people and kindness and what yeah. do you God or not, God is love. 
God wanted everybody to love. We're, we're on this earth to love. Yeah. I mean, and for me, for me and my spirituality journey, God, that word G-O-D means good orderly, orderly direction. And it is love. like the word love, the feeling of love that like that feeling of like wanting to help other people and do good. That to me is a force. And that force is what I call God. Like well, it's kind of you don't believe that. It's OK. I mean, I've worked with a lot of women that don't. But then yeah. believe in the universe or nature or something, you know, it, it's all the same. You know, it's, it's whatever it's, verb or whatever right. word you want to use. An angel or something, right? And it's so funny you mentioned Gabby Bernstein because I did invite her to speak. Oh my gosh! And she did write me a letter, but um, I've been in her membership for about two and a half years. Of course, you have. Yes, and I just love her. I think I think her messages. She's pretty badass. She's you know, yes. Yeah, yes, exactly. Stuff, and I've been with her. Yeah, probably about two and a half years. I've been a member of her. And now she's got a brand new app. Now you know. Yeah, an app. Oh, I didn't know. She has a brand new app for the for the phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Coaches I have her. She actually coaches on it for free. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Oh my gosh. I like Gabby a lot. She's she's yeah. a great message. She's what seventeen years sobriety or something. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. And that's the thing too, is the main, the main women that I learned from in my life, I'm just like celebrity name dropping now, but Gabby Bernstein, highly recommend looking into her if you're listening. Um, Brene Brown is another one. She does so much work on shame and vulnerability and just how to be more gentle with yourself. And then Glennon Doyle, um, her podcast is We Can Do Hard Things. And I listen to it religiously. And it just happened to be, of course, the women that I'm very, very attracted to, they're all in recovery. And I didn't even know until I got into their work that they're talking about like, yeah, I'm this many years sober or in recovery or on this healing journey. And I'm like, of course, (laughs) of course we are. (laughs) You know, it's just what we find. I think that we talk about in sobriety, or at least I do with with, um, the women I work with, is we're just talking about good way of life, good way of being a good person. That's all we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. alcohol and drugs really get in the way of our decisions. It and really we so end we up not being great. But you know, there's a lot of people that are not, that don't have addictions that could use a program like that. <laughs> That's, I know, exactly. Because it is a holistic approach to a better life, period. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Well, thank you so much for for chatting with me today on Fuck Small Talk. This is so exciting that we get to have this episode out there before the summit even starts. And again, um, I think you'll get so much out of it. And thank you for having me today. You are welcome. All of the information on the summit is down in the show notes and same with Corinne's info. So you can find her and go ahead and check it out. Yes, thank you. Small Talk is produced in partnership with Be Easy Marketing. It would mean so much if you took the time right now to follow the pod and give a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'll see you guys here next week for another Big Talk topic. Until then, let's keep moving forward.